Hey everybody, welcome to Between the Lines, the bi-weekly bite-sized oral history of the musical collective known as My Soul Among Lions. My name is Nathan, that's Phil. Hi Phil. Hello. That's Jake. Hey. Hi Jake. I'm uh, your humble and obedient host. Those guys are pastors and also contributors to My Soul Among Lions along with myself. Now, today guys, we're going to talk about How Long, O Lord, Psalm 13. But we already did that. Yeah, Psalm 6, right? <laughs> mm, whatever do you guys mean by that? Well, this is the second lament, and a lot of the lyrics are very much the same. A lot of the words to Psalm 13 are very much the same as Psalm mm. 6, and certainly the idea that's being presented is. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemies be exalted over me? Answer me, O Lord, or I will sleep the sleep of death. Yeah, this is really similar to yep. Psalm 6. You know, the thing that is weird about that, because this has happened any number of times to me when I'm writing, it'll be like, oh, what will actually happen is I'll be struggling to come up with a new rhyme instead of using the same rhyme that we used for this idea. And then I'll realize, wait a second. The Bible uses like, the same. King David, arguably a better <laughs> poet than me, was willing to repeat himself over and over and over again, like Such just a sellout. Just plug in these same <laughs> ideas. I mean, it's almost like Homer with the wine dark sea or something like right. that. And you can kind of get it's it like, in, a, in a pre-printing press society. You actually rely more on cliche and on repeatable formulas that you can go back to. Yep. So that people can, once they hear they the first hooks. little line, they have a hook for it and they can remember it. So the Psalms are full of that sort of thing. I, I found myself constantly trying to be too good for it and, and come up with some new convoluted rhyme so that I didn't have to go back to the obvious one that we'd already done. I'm like, no, actually, just... Uh... But that reality presents a challenge in and of itself, not just artistically, because it also presents a challenge for the listener. The listener has an expectation of things being different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a place to give that to them, by the way. Like, yeah. poetry is different now than it was when King David was writing it, and it's it's fair for us to right. look for a different rhyme. Yeah. But what if we quoted our own music or our own text like would that be acceptable like oh that's the same oh that's a chip <laughs> yeah people off. people wouldn't stand for it right right they have a different expectation but they also have spotify which the ancient exactly. israelites didn't so infinite variety is at your fingertips mm-hmm. that makes it especially hard when we come up against something like this so close too it's not like you know if this if psalm 13 had happened even in the 30s instead mm-hmm. of in the teens coming back and really redoing right. Psalm 6 wouldn't feel, it would almost feel refreshing. But what I like about that, if I can say real quickly, is it's cool. God did not feel the need to write a prayer book that existed on the periphery of human experience that was always trying to come up with new weird things yeah. to pray about. <laughs> you know, it's like, actually, there's about six things that people feel. <laughs> they're depressed. They're happy. Yep. They're oppressed. What they actually need is a plethora. They need a multitude of songs to sing about those things. They need 10, 20 songs for when they're feeling down in the dumps and they can't fall asleep. They need 10, 20 songs to express their joy. What they don't need is, and it's, it's the, the Psalms do capture a variety of human experience. Some of them do exist on the periphery of human experience, but a lot of it's just like, oh, you're sad again? Well, here's another one, which I love. So speaking of, you know, reaching for metaphors, Mm -hmm. I wrote Psalm 6, and Psalm 6, my version of Psalm 6 is very close lyrically to the psalm. 
Um, and so then it came time to write Psalm 13. Buddy, I was like, hey, we've already written this one. So I'm going to write something completely different. And so I just pulled up uh, the very first version. Nice. And I'll, and I'll read you just a couple of the metaphors that I threw into this psalm. Like a ship beneath the sea, like a childhood memory, I'm lost and you forget my name. So that's one. Like a lover in his rage, like a prisoner in his cage, you hide your face. Like a river in the spring, like a cup before a king. All this stuff is not, not in the psalm. Here's a different version. Like a ship buried deep beneath the sea, like a childhood memory, like a coin tucked away between the seats. All kinds of stuff that I am like, <laughs> yo, that's not, that's not there. <laughs> but I'm just like grasping for, because the whole idea of this song is God has forgotten me and hidden his face from me. And so all of this stuff, like a river in the spring, like a cup before a king, sorrow floods my heart all the day, like dust from your hand, like a castle made of sand. My life slips away into eternity. None of that was anything anybody wanted to actually use for a for a psalm for a setting of this psalm. Mm. Well, what I want to say about that is, for people who are out there creating things, you have to be willing to actually break it. That's what rewriting is for. Yeah. You have to, in your first draft, give yourself the freedom to actually go so far beyond what it is conceptually that it breaks. And I'm not even sure that. Jake did that, but you did certainly break what My Soul Among Lions would ultimately become. Like, we didn't decide to go in that direction, which is fine. But part of getting to the real, the the good version that works is writing not just the okay version, but the the bad version that, in fact, actually just negates what you're trying to do. I think that ultimately, if I achieved anything by writing all these different versions of, of Psalm 13, that was really trying to explore the most creative and poetic takes on this that I could. Yeah, maybe what I'm trying to say I was giving myself is, a bunch of license. It made it really clear that that's not what we wanted to do. Well, and you probably, I think what happens in those situations is you define your boundaries by going past them. And then you're like, okay, right, well, yeah. that's okay. Now I know where the fence is because I actually walked all the way out there. Yeah, and basically I think what we decided is we're not going beyond anything that we've done in the first album. That first album pushes the edges. Yeah, Beyond the Stars was about as, as crazy as it ever got. And I'm not sure that we would actually do, do that, that again. now. Yeah. yeah, I feel the same way. I felt the same way about it. I feel like I might have contributed a little bit lyrically to this song. I don't remember. It wouldn't surprise me. Are you going to, do you have a, a, the ability to look it up, Phil? I do, and you did. You and Jody. Okay. Music by Jody. Okay. So I did contribute a little bit lyrically to this after Jody had locked into what he wanted this to be. And then again, you still are competing with Psalm 6, or you feel like you are. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what you hear in this is an attempt to be more, right. to be more plaintive, attempt to be more depths of my soul vibe than Psalm 6, while also trying to be more simple, you know, less is more. Mm-hmm. Um, less production, more stripped down, more I can pick up a guitar and play this and sing this kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. so it's trying to improve on Psalm 6 in every way. And I think listeners should be the judge of whether or not it does. But it's certainly a a valiant effort to capture what was great about Psalm 6 as a lament and also make it as simple and as accessible as possible. Yeah. I mean, this this version is 
is a lament. It's simple. One of our simplest. I remember we had the B-sides for the first album, and when we were recording all these for the second album, we didn't know what we were going to do in terms of, what about all these extra songs we mm-hmm. have? Because, I mean, I think my version of 13 might be one of my best songs, hmm. and it's not on this album. At least it's one of my favorite that I've ever done. But we ended up recording anyway. We recorded lots of these extras. So we had 13, 14, we had an extra four, even 11. And then we had the 20s, right? We had yeah. two 20s mm-hmm. and two 11s. You know, we didn't know yeah. what we were, if we're going to produce a, a B-side or how we're going to do that. So we just recorded all this. But actually, we, we recently released the other 13, mm-hmm. the other 14 that hadn't, been heard so now i'm pretty sure you can get that on spotify or wherever you listen to digital music so check those out yeah go Um, go find them folks and you know like we were talking on a previous maybe one or two episodes ago about the direction things were going jody and i and andrew we all have differing backgrounds where we came from what we would say is Mm -hmm. our styles where we come from what influences we had. I've been heavily influenced, dare I say, by 80s pop music. You know? <laughs> dare you say. <laughs> Phil Collins happens to be one of my favorite mm-hmm. musicians, songwriters. He's also a drummer. And his name's Phil. Yeah, so he's a cool guy. And so sometimes you hear those kind of influences in, in my music and it doesn't quite go with the My Soul Among, my Soul Among Lions style. If you want to so. hear... Philip's sensibilities sort of unleashed. Probably the best total representation of that would be All the Bells by Good Shepherd Band, wouldn't you say? Top to bottom. Yeah. With some of those songs like Song of Simeon. True. It's a very Phil Collins-y kind of song Phil wrote for that album. And maybe the Magnificat's Mag- not that. Is it? I mean, it's got that synth. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. it's got several of those songs of Phil and your version of, of this was in that same, had that same vibe, right? My version of what? Of Thir- 13. Oh, 13. Yeah, yeah. it's in yeah. the same vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Anybody who goes and listens to All the Bells or, you know, just thinks Phil Collins in Genesis <laughs> is going to realize, well, that's not going to work on the, uh, that's not going to follow the words of the Lord very well. Uh, I have a wide range of taste and influence, but I, I, Definitely, my influence is not country music at all, or hardly any folk music. Definitely not Bob Dylan, definitely not bluegrass, you know, like we were talking about last episode. In fact, where I grew up, a lot of my friends, we'd laugh at that music, you know? (laughs) And actually, I, I remember when I moved out to Indiana, which was like 13, 14 years ago now, that was when I first started having an open mind to that music because I'm like, well, the people around here like that music. I better like, mm-hmm. I better learn to appreciate it, and I do appreciate it. And well, I'm at the right age to remember that in my circle, at least, a, a little album called a movie and a soundtrack album came out called "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?" Mm-hmm. And suddenly, everybody was like, "Oh yeah, I love bluegrass. It's my favorite." <laughs> It's like, no, you don't. You've never, you never listened to <laughs> you Bluegrass. You like Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And, and for that matter, I you never like listened T-bone, to Bluegrass uh, either. <laughs> isn't it? Was it T-Bone? T-Bone Burnett, yeah. Burnett, and, yeah. Oh, yeah, Emma Lou Harris. She's my favorite. No, she's not. No. Like, you, <laughs> you just like T-Bone Burnett's popularization. Yeah. Of, uh, I mean, of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? That soundtrack is great. Sampling of. I mean, I, I, I love that, but let's not pretend like we all 
just loved to listen to bluegrass music before that. I mean, I just remember it was just one of the lame streamiest things that ever happened. And I was part of it. I'm not going to pretend like I loved bluegrass before. Oh, brother, where art thou? But I just remember the world collectively pretending after that (laughs) album (laughs) came out. good. Yeah. (laughs) Finally became aware and started appreciating it. Yeah. genre that should be appreciated and to be fair a lot of people went back and listened to some of the old stuff and also folk indie folk got on the map a little bit more <sighs> but anyway i don't know it's uh it's just peaceful restful encouraging uh we had john klug play cello on it mm-hmm. it's good to get him in so psalm 6 i am the walrus and <laughs> psalm 13 glass onion or is it the other way around folks <laughs> you be the judge <laughs> You be the judge. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll be back. Let's listen to Psalm 13, though. How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord, will you hide your face forever? Will we talk no more together? I strain my ear, but hear my thoughts alone. How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord, will my heart be drowned in sorrow? If I lose more ground tomorrow, my foes will think that they have overcome. How long, O Send your love, don't let it be untrue I will sing for mercies I once knew Return to me, how long, O said to do 
Return to me How long, O Lord When will it be How long, O Hey, if you like this song, you can buy it on Apple Music or Amazon or Bandcamp. You can listen to My Soul Among Lions pretty much wherever you listen to your music, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, wherever. You can get charts and lead sheets if you'd like to use this song in your worship at clearnotesongbook.com. And of course, you can support this fine work at warhornmedia.com forward slash give.